at all times there is something to achieve right um, and i think that's common for anybody right at all times there is something in your mind that is priority and what i really just try to do is list down what exactly is my priority and achieve it and whatever is unnecessary to achieve it is generally not done Hey everybody, welcome back to the Next Move podcast. And if this is your first time on the show, we're a podcast that share the stories, strategies and tools behind people who are making an impact in India. And today we have a extremely fun one that will really that I've learned so much from just by researching. We have Shobhit Banga, who's the co-founder of Josh Talks. a company that is looking to inspire the youth of india by connecting them with the right mentors information and education and like i was saying earlier i had so much fun researching this because shobit's story is so unique to everybody else and it seems like like everybody else was taking a right finishing off high school or going to college shobit was taking a left and following his own path and following his own gut instinct And that's kind of the main point that I really want to follow up on on this podcast. We're really exploring that gut instinct. So Shobit, I'm so happy to have you on, man. How are you doing? Fantastic, Arman. Thanks a lot for having me. Awesome. So let's let's get straight into it. And I want to start off with the fact that the first thing I heard was you dropped out of high school. Can you talk about the story behind that? Because that's the first left turn. Nobody does that. Nobody even thinks of doing that. what's the story there i think if i look back at uh, my my childhood there's one thing that i can like if i have to summarize it in one in sort of one sentence it would be that my dad always told me that uh, the excellence is the only way forward um and to achieve excellence or to achieve incredible um mastery uh, you have to go down a path that others don't go down and somewhere there was always this incredible drive from him to go out there and be the goddamn best possible and for that uh, he said school was an absolute waste of time that you know like too many people are good at school and it's not even if you are damn good at school it doesn't mean anything um and so he said go be incredible at something else and that's when um tennis is something i i i absolutely used to love and i went and i tried to pursue that full time try to make that make a career career out of it what happened with the tennis story because you're you're going to school regular you're doing the same thing other kids are doing and are you just practicing tennis on the side and you're saying wow i really like this or was it inbuilt in your mind that look i, I want to be a professional athlete and if i want to do that i have to go full time with it so i belong to a very very small town in himachal and um, that's where i used to be um when i got introduced to to tennis because in that small town a lot of foreigners lived there because of an ashram and they had made this sort of make do tennis court it actually had this pebbles and you know stones in the middle so it wasn't really an actual tennis court but they used to make do and play there and that's when i got introduced to tennis now i was just in my fifth standard um at that time and um my dad noticed that you know i would get up at 4 in the morning before school go and play tennis before i would go to school uh by choice um and he said hey shobit you are interested in tennis why don't we do this why don't we shift from our small town and go down to bangalore uh and try and try and try and uh, do this in a more serious manner 
and um, it was I think by the time I was in eighth standard, by the time this conversation was happening. And in eighth standard, we actually did that. Wow. So, can you can you talk about the thinking at that point? Because was it just like a kid that was saying, like I was saying earlier, that you want to full on go at it, or was it just that you didn't like school? And did you also think like I w- I would put myself in that position, and I would think, man, what if this doesn't go well? What I'm gonna what am I gonna do? You know. So it's a, there's a lot of doubt that would creep up. Did you have any doubt during that decision? So I think I was just too young to doubt anything. Um, mm. What I did did see was my parents had an incredible amount of stress um, about about taking this decision uh, with me um, because you know I think I think the doubts come from um, what people consider normal, and uh, it's when your grandmother will ask you, and somebody at a kitty party will ask my mom, and you know some somebody will my dad's colleagues will ask him, "What's your son doing? Are you guys crazy?" Is when doubt kicks in. but i think the drive with which the the sort of uh, reason because of which we did it was very very strong which was to which was like sort of my dad saying that go out there and you know do more you have to be more and uh, and there was no other way so of course there was doubt but it was never really a think you oh my god have we taken the wrong decision that never happened it was just you know don't think so much just go out there and do it one thing was clear you can't go down the same path as everybody else and expect different results uh, so if you want a different result uh, you have to go down a different path and this seemed like a very different path and and what did the day look like when you were preparing to be a professional tennis player like were you training three times a day two times a day what were you doing to get into a position where you were going to go pro so i think i think there were the key day was not uh, the day when i sort of decided to go pro the key the the key day was the day when we decided to shift from that small town to bangalore when things really changed because until then so i couldn't even name one tennis player because i couldn't speak in english and you know therefore i didn't know any of these tennis players uh, so the 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 really uh, the day that changed everything was um, when i was still in that small town um i remember it was this one of these unit tests in school that was going on uh, so my my mom was teaching my younger brother and my dad was teaching me uh, and he was teaching me physics i think my mom was teach, teaching my younger brother hindi and there was just my my mom was shouting at my brother my dad was trying to teach me it just seemed like so much turmoil uh, to prepare for this exam uh, where a lot of things what we were learning learn, learning were really meaningless and you know um, i think my brother was crying so there was this chaos in the house and my dad looks at me and we are in my bedroom uh, where he's teaching me physics is lying on the bed and i'm walking around and he's trying to you know question and do things like that um is when he he just puts the book down and he says shobhit let's go to bangalore uh and that's it so literally just like that the next day i gave the exam my brother gave his exam then i think that was probably the last exam or some something because my parents came to pick us up in our school uniform we drove to delhi where my grandparents and where my mom's uh, parents stay and uh, we stayed there for a night took a flight went to went to bangalore never looked back wow so the thing with yeah. again from here is your dad is such a it seems like he's such a inspirational part of your story to where you are today and can you talk about your dad has he always been like so impulsive and makes the decision and says we're going all in and we're going to do this and move forward 
yeah his his uh, so he's definitely extremely impulsive uh, his validation or his his explanation for why it's generally always the right decision is because um, he explains gut as a science that we can't understand yet uh, so subconscious mind is doing some calculation and saying this is the right decision but you can't really explain why uh, actually i i i found out much much later that malcolm gladwell has written a book is called blink which basically says the same thing it says the sometimes the subconscious mind can do some calculations that otherwise you can't yet consciously do and define why is this this way or why should i take this this isn't but um but therefore he follows his gut extremely strongly and um and yeah we've come to learn that it is often the right thing to do wow so when you when you were playing tennis right and you you dropped out of school i i just want to ask one question about the thinking because that must be a much more lonely experience than going to school right you know in school you're always surrounded by friends people everybody all the time but tennis is an individual sport and it was likely you and your coach so did you actually enjoy that process or or was it tough on you because you must have been what 14 15 years old at this point yeah this um I think I think uh, I don't think I've ever spoken about this but yeah it was it was incredibly hard um there there are a couple of reasons for this because when I shifted from a very very small town to a big corporate english speaking city like bang bangalore the first thing that happened were that so I was actually when I left school eventually I was extremely happy to because of the pressures that I was facing in bangalore now you know I could speak little bit in english because i was going to an english medium school and my dad dad the doctor my my mom has studied done masters in english etc so i was a very you know education focused so i could speak english a little bit but bangalore was a world of a difference you know like so the kind of pressures i was facing in school the kind of bullying that was happening was a lot um so i was quite happy to first of all leave school but because that what happened was that uh, and especially during the cycling phase as a transition what happened was that um like like you really don't have any company at all um so yeah it's a it's a it's a pretty tough phase but i think uh, that is what is i would say the like very rarely in in our life do we ever get time to completely be with ourselves and i got almost an overdose of that because of both tennis leaving school and because of the entire cycling phase uh, which which will come after this i think that led to me understanding what i want who i am you know what do i care about uh, questioning and answering those those questions much earlier so i think being lonely was a fantastic thing to happen at that age and i think that's a, that's a really good point cuz especially in today's world when you have social media you have endless meetings you have this and that you you really don't get time to think and that time to think at least i've seen has been you know such an important part of just being able to reflect but so you you got injured and you know for an athlete that's that's the worst thing you know you that's that's kind of like the end of life you feel especially cuz that was everything for you at that point could you talk about the injury and how you dealt with it and if you thought to that you would move forward with tennis after it or did you think that there was something else out there for you yeah so um so you know the so i realized after reaching bangalore and and training for about a year year and a half ish that um, that i wasn't the best player out there 
um, you know, and pe- pe- people had started since they were four years old. You know, they had been playing tennis since they were like five, six, seven years, years old. And, um, and somewhere there were players who I met for the first time who were much more talented than me because of course in Kullu, which was the town that I came from, you didn't meet incredible players. So when I reached there, I was like, oh God, you know, um, and especially after training for a year, you're like, okay, I'm still really far behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so when I got injured, um, I was actually quietly quite happy uh, because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to figure out what else to do because otherwise quitting is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and so, so now what happens with most injuries is that it's not clear if this is an injury that will never let you play again, because most injuries are healable, but, uh, sometimes they keep reoccurring. So this, this was something like that, where we, I took two months break and I played again. I took a few months break. I played again, but it, it was not working. So eventually, um, my mom and my brother and me had shifted to bank Bangalore for tennis. And we actually decided that, okay, we will come back uh, to a town much closer because my dad was still doing to and fro from our hometown. So we shifted okay. back to Chand- Chandigarh when, um, when I started, when I joined an academy in Chandigarh, but I knew that, okay, it's, it's very likely that I won't be able to get back to tennis at all. So the, the thinking must've been like, okay, we're going back to school. Or, or what happened because you ended up, like you were talking about earlier, you ended up moving into cycling and we're doing really well there. So how did that all happen? After, after this phase of uh, tennis not working out, uh, cycling used to be a part of my fitness training uh, mm. for tennis. And I had this trainer um, who was one of the best cyclists in India at that time. Um, and so I, I got exposed to that world. You know, most, most people today don't even know that there is a very, now people are coming to know that there are a lot of hobby cyclists. We can see cyclists early in the morning, especially on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is a good, I think 10 ish years ago, uh, eight, eight ish years ago. It was during that phase when I saw said that, okay, I'm extremely frustrated because I have to give up tennis. So let me just start cycling, uh, and, and sort of see what happens. And I got a call from my trainer saying that Shobit, there's a race coming up in Bangalore. It's India's first endurance cycling race. It's from Bangalore to Chamundi Hills, which is beyond Mysore and back. So it's going to be the longest race in India yet. It's 300 and something kilometers. Um, why don't you come and participate in it since you're not doing anything anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in Chand- Chand- Chandigarh at this time, which is a town in which is, which is a city in North India. I took my, I had my bike there. Um, I took that to Himachal. I trained there for a month flew to Bangalore, did that race. And I did extremely well, actually, because, uh, you know, when, when you're sort of, when I was giving up tennis, it was an extremely frustrating period. Like it's a very intense period where you have a feeling of failure, you know, you want to prove yourself, but, uh, but you can't. So I, I, for that one month that I was in Himachal, I trained incredibly hard, um, for that race in Bangalore. And when I ended up going, I did, I did quite well in it. And, um, and said that, okay, Hey, this is the entire world out here. Uh, and it's absolutely an unknown world. Let's see what happens. I I'm going to stay back and I'm going to cycle. Let's see what happens. I'll try and go pro here. Also, uh, you know, like, like, like I say this often that quitting is like people say quitting is easy. Quitting is much tougher, uh, than like, it's much easier to just maintain status quo and continue playing tennis. Um, but, but when I was quitting, it was like, it's you're in like I, I was in such a high degree of guilt of, you know, letting my parents down, letting everybody down, 
not being able to perform, being a loser, uh, that, 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 you know, when you're in that phase, you just want to, like, you're willing to go through anything. And I think that one month of training in Imachal was like extremely hard. Uh, like I pushed a lot because I, I needed an outlet for all this frustration. And this was a way to uh, do, do, do well. And I think one of, that was one of, one of the reasons that uh, the race in Bangalore went really well. I, w- I want to touch upon what you learned from that experience. But just before that, you qualified through that race for a very prestigious race in France. And you were the youngest person to qualify for that race. What, what was that like to you? Like, what, were you, did that affirm and immediately change your mindset from, wow, okay, tennis is gone. And you said that loser mindset that you had, did that completely switch? And now you could focus that energy completely on this new dream. So uh, this, this particular race in Bangalore was not the race that qualified me for, for that prestigious event. Um, the, the, the prestigious event is called Paris Brest Paris. It's a race that happens once every four years in France. Um, and it's one of the most elite cycling events out there. Um, how I qualified for, for that is you, there are a set of four races that happen in Bangalore. You have to complete each of those in a particular time. If you do that, you qualify for this super prestigious race. So after I did this first event in Bangalore of cycling, I stayed back in Bangalore and started preparing for these four races. This, this became my immediate next objective. So, so, so these four races are the first is a 200 kilometer race. Then is a 300 kilometer, then a 400 kilometer and a 600 kilometer race. Once you complete all four of these race races within a certain amount of time, you get to qualify for Paris, 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 which is 1200 kilometers in France. Um, where across the world, these competitions are happening. So these qualifications happen in many cities across the world. Everybody who qualifies meets there once every four years to participate in the mega race, which is Paris, Paris, Paris. So uh, after this first event in Bang- Bangalore, I spent about a, I think year and a half ish qualifying for that. Uh, I did qualify for it. And yeah. And from there it was. So, so what happened, what happened in the race? So after I qualified for it, um, I applied for Paris first Paris. I was looking forward to it, almost ready to get everything together. I got, I, I get a mail back from them saying that, uh, you're underage. Um, I was 17 and you need to be 18 to participate. And, um, and you know, it, it, it's like, it's, it's like, I think, I think that was quite a heartbreak at that time. I was like, you know, what are you talking about? This is the only thing I've done for, for the past so many months, um, sort of, sort of the only thing on my mind and, but it didn't, didn't, didn't happen. I tried to fight it a lot. Uh, but the problem was that in India, like we know, you know, there was no rules. You can't even attempt to qualify for it if you're under 18, actually. Um, so, so why, so is that that? why, why can't you qualify before 18? Doesn't make sense. So endurance cycling is a very extreme level of sport. So they said that one of the sporting toughest the, the toughest sporting events in the world is the race across America, which, which happens in the U S which is also endurance cycling. So endurance cycling, you could say is probably the toughest sporting event in the world, most grueling on the body. So for example, mm-hmm. I reached out. So after, after this happened, uh, with me, I actually reached out to some of the world's best endurance cyclists. Marco Polo was one of them. Um, um, and, and he said that, you know, absolutely not. You should not attempt this race at all. So, so somewhere when I, when I started hearing, uh, those kind of pe- people say that to me, I said that, okay, fine. Um, pro- probably I have to move on and do something else. But the really amazing thing that happened is that 
uh, India was putting together its first professional cycling team. So it's a private cycling team, just like they have in France and in other places. And mm-hmm. we were getting that, uh, that team was being put, put together. So once I, the day I qualified, the next day after that, I immediately got a call from the person who was creating that team that, hey, Shobit, um, we heard you qualified for the Paris Fresh Paris. Uh, would you like to come in and join us in this ra- in this team that we're creating? And it was called Specialized King Kini Cycling Team, um, which became India's first pro um, cycling team. So I became sort of the youngest mem- member there. So so there was light at the end of the tunnel, so to say. Wow. And, um, yeah. So so you join you join this team and. Were you enjoying the practices? Did you, did you enjoy the new sport? And was this a new path? Or did you feel that this potentially wasn't enough? Because I, I've read and I, and I heard an interview where you said that, you know, people who are working, who were on the team were also working at the bike shop and were fixing your bike. And so, so can you talk about that and, and your experience there? Did you think that that was the future for you? So two things here, right? The first is that, um, so cycling in India is not an elite sport, or at least Mm -hmm. at that time, it wasn't an elite sport at all, especially the people who are trying to go pro are, are like, like tennis, otherwise it's pretty expensive sport. Coaching is expensive. Um, equipment is expensive. There is no sort of government funding here and things like that. There are no jobs, um, in the government sector here. So, so, so in tennis, it's a very different kind of a crowd. In cycling, it's a very different crowd because, for example, one of the, one of the biggest reasons that a lot of people from the grassroots of the country try go pro in cycling is because you get government jobs. So railways will hire you, air force will hire you, and things. So, so that is a big uh, reason for the interest from people. So in cycling, that was the case where um, where where the pe- people who were a part of my cycling team were 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 not. So you, so you could say they monetarily they were not. Um, they were not doing that well. So for example, a few of my friends used to work at cycle stores. Um, and they, they were, so, so the experience that I got from there was this, that, you know, they, and, and, and a lot of things like this led to Josh that, um, that, that, you know, somebody has so much potential, uh, to go out there and do incredibly well, but simply because of the kind of monetary background they came from, um, there was very limited chance in them to go out there and actually perform to their potential and things like that. So, so, so yeah, that was the first thing. And the second was that this new cycling, uh, was not endurance cycling. This, 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 this was 60, 70, 80 kilometer, very, very fast races. This is what the two day France is. And this wasn't really my, uh, cup of tea. I wasn't enjoying it much. Um, and also I don't think I was that good at it. Um, you know, somewhere if your heart doesn't lie in it deep, deeply, it's, it's very tough to sort of become world-class at it. And, um, and so, and so those kind of questions that started come in my mind, but of course I was very excited to do it, but somewhere I decided that, okay, this is not it. Um, and I needed a change and it was to do, do something else. So this was the second time I quit something. So, Third time. you know, I, <laughs> I, I really, I really like this because like I said earlier, it's, it's all about following your gut instinct that your dad really taught in you and really pushed you about. But I want to ask you one thing that just came to my mind. Do you think, you know, 10 years ago, there wasn't as much social media. It wasn't as everybody is not posting their lives all the time. Everything is not tracked and you, it's less 
pressure now that it was then than it is now. Do you think that if social media was as rampant as it is now, do you think that would have had an impact in some of the things you did? A little bit, but I don't think so much. Uh, for, for me, I'm speaking about, I don't know about others, but I think for, for me, I don't think it would have made much of a difference uh, because I think my competition was always mostly with myself. And the things that drove me were also mostly with myself or to do with my family and to, you know, live up to certain expectations. Um, so, so, I, so I think even now, so, so you'll see that I'm not very active on social media, even if we do something massive and amazing, I still like our PR team at Josh has to push me to post it. So, so I think somewhere relative to what I have seen some, some of my peers, I don't think I get influenced so much by any kind of uh, social pressures. Why, why don't you use social media much? Like, is there, is there a specific reason behind it? Mental health or, you know, what is it? You just don't enjoy it? So uh, how, how I think of things is, is, is very simple, you know, uh, like, like at all times, there is something to achieve, right? Um, and I think that's common for anybody, right? At all times, there is something in your mind that is priority. And what I really just try to do is list down what exactly is my priority and achieve it. And whatever is unnecessary to achieve it is generally not done. Um, so I'll just list down. So for example, like I, I have things like this, these are all my posters. I don't think you can see them clearly. They all mention things like, okay, this quarter, what do I need to get done? And then there is priority one, priority two and priority three kind of things. And there are of course, a lot of things there. Uh, but I, like, you know, I read somewhere that uh, success and is a, is a, is a function of optimization of time. Um, and um, so, so if I just look at all of these, these things, I just divide them, keep what deserves how much time I see that, okay, I have no time left for anything else. Social media almost never makes it as being important enough to get done. Uh, so it never happens. That's it. There's no other reason. Wow. And sorry, even before we get into church talks, because I really want to touch on that because this is something that a lot of people can just use as well, because it's, it's really interesting yeah. how you prioritize. What's your practice for it? Do you do it once a quarter? Do you reshape it every week, every day? How do you kind of think about when you're setting your objectives? How do you plan it and go about it? So I try to do a five year and a quarter uh, because I noticed that, you know, whenever I do one year, it doesn't work out. Um, uh, it was not far enough to want something and to, and to be able to tangibly work towards, but five years is something you can actually work towards. And then I look at every quarter. Um, but I don't look at the quarter very, very strictly. Um, I look at the five years strict strictly. Um, and then I look at, okay. Um, and then I just got a priority list. It's based on, you could say a quarter, right? So I, I have things like, um, okay, I can talk about one of them. Uh, this was mm -hmm. to get lean. Right. So one of the six priorities I have right, 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 right now is to get lean. Uh, and that means to reduce what body fat percentage to under 10 ish percent under six ish percent, um, somewhere in that range. And, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so what I'll do is that, let's say I have four or five other priorities like this, and these can be personal and professional, right? So Josh is also there. Something to do else in my personal life is also there. And, uh, and even become super lean is also there. So, and then I'll just divide my time like this. So I have about, let's say, uh, 16 good quality awake hours. 
mm-hmm. um, and I'll just divide the 16 hours into these six priorities and that's it. Wow. That's, that's a really interesting and cool way to think about it. Um, that, that's something that I'm definitely going to start doing now too, because it, it makes sense. It really prioritizes how you spend your time. And if social media doesn't fit into that, you shouldn't use it. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 th- I think the thing I realized was that, you know, the thing that gives happiness is this feeling of accomplishment. Um, and the feeling of accomplishment only comes when you accomplish something that you wanted to accomplish. Uh, you know, so if it is to get uh, a big social reach, if that becomes one of my priorities, great, I'll start spending time on social, social media. But, uh, but what do I want to accomplish is really the question. Um, and in all the things that I want to accomplish, like nothing related to social media ever comes. So therefore, I never, I'm that active on social media. Is this a new practice or it's something you've been doing for a long time? So uh, it's got, uh, so I've been doing it, uh, you could say in a strict enough manner uh, since, since about a year now. Um, and I definitely had the most productive year of my la- life in the last one year. But, uh, but yeah, in, in, in some way or the other, I've been doing it for about three, four years, but I would say that really I've been doing it for about a year now. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's so interesting to me. And later in this conversation, I kind of want to get back into this point and I want to talk to you about habits, but we'll get there. I want to talk about the story of Josh Talks because it's also a very interesting one. And it started off when you decided to go back to college. And in another interview, I heard you tell this amazing story about a security guard and the quality of information. Could you expand on quality of information? Because that is something that really resonated with me when I moved to India. I realized like, shit, like everybody here is suffering from just a matter of circumstance and that circumstance dictates your life. So can you expand upon that point? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when the cycling was ending and everything was ending, I had to do something with my time. And the question that was, and one of the reasons I even left cycling and make this massive transition from Bangalore back, um, and this entire change period was happening. The questions that I was really asking um, was that, you know, if you think about it, let's say, let's say Arman, you have a child and there is a security guard who's the same age as you. He's also a security guard and he also has a child. Let's say you both have a son mm-hmm. who has, and this is, and, and this child is in the hospital on day one of the child's life. Which of the two children do you think Arman is going to go out there and do better in life than, than, than the other? Right. Statistically, my kid, just because right. of luck. And exactly. So like, obviously your kid, like the other kid would have to really not follow the traditional path. Something exceptional would have to happen in, in that kid's life for that kid to do well. Now, this is not a bad thing that we're talking about. This is reality uh, that, that at the end of the day, like, like, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, it's not about uh, your ability at all. It's about pure luck. So it doesn't matter. Was that security guards kid more capable than, than your son or was he more intelligent? Was he anything? It doesn't even matter just because of the way the currently the world works. If you're born into a household that is educated, that has more money, the quality of life and the quality of nurturing that you will get and the quality of information you will get over the first 20, 25 years of your life will be so different from this kid, the security guard son that at 25, you see these two kids, it's going to be a world apart. Um, and, and what, and what, um, we really believe at Josh is that 
this was true until yesterday until now but now because of the internet you can actually standardize a lot of those things so so arman what is it that you are going to do give to your son or or create that ecosystem for your son for the first 25 years if we look at that we can replicate a lot of that for the security guard son through the mobile phone mm um and and i think that will change the whole world this is like this is like a human revolution right it's not about starting an edtech company here right this is about like the industrial revolution uh, you know with the then then the computers coming this is sort of like the next stage where you what if so so here is another crazy thing okay 90% of india makes less than 30000 rupees a month household income sorman the the wow. security guard the se- yeah firstly that is goddamn crazy and this is not me saying this is this is this is incredible sources that are saying this right uh, now now if we look at that security guard that we were comparing you with your son and the security guard son that security guard probably if he works in delhi makes about 15000 rupees a month salary if he's brought his wife with him from from the village she probably works as a maid house to house let's say she makes 3000 rupees a house does five houses she makes 15000 also together they make about 30000 rupees a month that security guard that we are saying has no chance of doing as well as you will do is top 10% richest indians what 90% of india is even below that so that security guard who we are saying is poor mm is top 10% richest indian now why i'm saying this is because this is a massive issue this is this is so large that we need to talk about this and 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 that's what uh, joe stocks's attempt is to do where um, where we think that certain amount of information can standardize the quality of nurturing that you get in these two completely different homes and and how did you i i feel that's that's so true it's crazy that 30000 makes you the top 10% in india that's absurd that would make you in poverty in any other country that's wow that that's crazy to hear but so what were the first steps that you took toward making that change because i completely agree the democratization of information through your phone is is going to change everything and so what were the first steps that you guys took so i'll share how we are thinking about this right and how mm-hmm. we were thinking so imagine now we have established that these two kids if they were born um to these two fathers or these two uh, sets of families that were completely different would have very different chance of success right now what if we do this okay let's take you take 25 years arman you take the 25 years of life of your your son and the 25 years of life of that security guard son and you make that into 1 hour just 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 a hype just just uh, for the sake of this conversation mm-hmm. now imagine those two kids you give them the same information for that 1 hour sitting in the same room so mm-hmm. so so they both sitting in a room and you give them you show them the same videos you give them the same teacher same information just 1 hour so you've taken 25 years of life and made it into one one hour now what will happen is that if you standardize information both will now get an equal opportunity to do well now it will come down to kabiliyat now it will come down to who you are as a person and and what you got then so we will increase the chance of success of people if we standardize information 
right? Because uh, so so that that is what Josh is going to attempt to do. That we take the thing that happened to you and me in our first twenty-five years, and we try and do that by design uh, for the rest rest of the audience that did not get the opportunity to do that. Starting off though, right? You have this you have this big dream, and you have this big goal that. a lot of us do right everybody has these ideas that can potentially change the world a lot of people do but the execution is the bit where you know i would say 99% of people fail and it's not that 99% of startups fail it's probably that 99% of people don't execute efficiently so you're a young kid you're in college how did you start about executing was it about small steps or did you go you know what we're going to go big and we're going to you know do huge things right off the start that's the really interesting thing was that we didn't have an idea for a company we had a problem right we didn't want to start a company we didn't want to create a solution to something we just had a problem a problem that we were very passionate about solving um and that's all right and you know just to restress how paranoid we were about this problem it's like you know let's say you have 100 rupees um and 90 of that gets lost you know like you will get crazy right but that's what happen that's what's happening to human resource today where only like that security guard is also top 10% so it's basically we are saying that 90% of india is not going to contribute meaningfully enough to create value in the world uh, and that's literally what is happening and this is this was a very in, insane level of conversation that we used to have so supriya and i used to just discuss this problem all the time so when we were starting out we didn't actually want to start a edtech company that does this we didn't want to start a talks platform that did this we just had this problem we were very passionate about solving you know it was this wrong that we wanted to right um so when we started out we tried and put down that okay what was really different in Uh, what is going to be very different in arman's son's upbringing and a security guard son's upbringing what is going to be drastically different um and we tried and separate those things out and create products for each of those things so so the first thing that we saw was very very different was um access to role models people who defined what was obvious for you what was doable people who created those benchmarks of what to do in life uh, kind of a thing right so so if you think about it for us it, it it was a very normal thing to think of to become a doctor right um, or to become like get into google like try and get into google it seemed like a very realistic achievable you can go and try to get into harvard you know to go and try to do all of those things but for um, the majority of the audience a lot of those things are not what is the path to go forward right uh, many people in the village have never heard of anyone even get into a decent government job let alone go out there and 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 do so well so what we really wanted to the first thing that we started doing was give rural youth access to role models so what steve jobs did for you and me create steve jobs for this audience so this would be the the steve jobs equivalent for this audience would be a dalit farmer's son who became a doctor at aims hmm right so to look at that guy would be like damn that's crazy what you can do that that happens this guy looks like me he talks like me he's 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 from the village behind my village mm-hmm. he, he became a doctor at aims what 
you know it's and and the off factor is very much what we had when we listened to probably the stanford commencement speech of steve jobs you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that was the objective behind the first product which we said will open the eyes up of peop- people to more and fantastic things it's like you know if you haven't seen a bmw you don't want it so it's mm-hmm. to show people what is possible what you can do what you can achieve with your own potential and what you can go out there and become now another reason that we chose to start with joe stocks which which were these stocks by people uh, was because we were in college we had not much money and uh, we we were going to get a chance um, to do a startup maybe once you know and if it goes wrong i especially had done so many things that had not worked out yet that uh, there was this pressure that you know if now it doesn't work out i'm going to have to go and listen to my parents and do whatever they tell me to do uh, which which i was wrong about um, of course they would have now that i look back they would have let let me do other things but supriya and i both had this pressure that okay we have to make this work so choose something easy where the chance of success is higher um and the money it will cost is very very low so therefore we we started with joe joe stocks which was basically talks by people from the grassroots of india who had done incredibly well in their lives and showcase their stories uh to this audience that had never heard such stories before and that is everything you know so, like what is drive drive is and very strong itch to achieve something right some drives we are born with as humans right uh, let's say a drive to eat a drive to have sex a drive to do other things like this is very human drives but a lot of these other drives that help you unlock your potential have to be put in you and mm-hmm. currently especially in india there was no system to put them in people um and we saw that youtube was that tool to do it it could happen very low cost there were these stories we just simply had to compile them and once you put this thought in people you created the chance of somebody having a drive to do well you increase that chance um so so yeah that's what we were attempting to do and that's, that's what that's, happened eventually with josh you know that's awesome and i i recommend everybody go check out josh talks on youtube and on their website i'll put in the links below because they have talks in every single language cuz like he said it needs to resonate with the specific tier 2 tier 3 or anybody that that they're targeting in his listening and shubhit i want to end with a few rapid fire questions and the first one is do you have any routines be morning routine evening routine or habits that you feel are uh you have to have in your day that allow you to have a successful day So I'll talk about this in two ways. One is a successful day, and then is other habits that I I I abide by in life. Uh, so for a successful day, I think I think it's very very straightforward. Uh, so I don't like to get up at a certain time and sleep at a certain time because I feel that uh, it it just doesn't work for me. What I do define is a very strict to do list uh, that gets created from an overall to do list. like which is the objective the priority that i need to achieve so nothing in my to do list is ever of anything out of those six things that are my priority right now so that is my first thing that you know if you have that then you create a to do list that only has the things that help you achieve them um and then you block time to achieve them that that that's it you don't do so so i would say that is the one habit um that 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 i have 
apart from that, another habit is that, so I leave my computer on with my doodle is visible all the time. So when I'm walking in, walking out, doing anything, it's available. So even sometimes I'm going to sleep at two at night and I'll see my laptops open and the to-do list is there. I'll just go to it, have a look and probably I'll, I'll sneak another two to three hours just sitting and doing something, you know, that really makes, ends up making all the difference is, is basically, so, so work a lot on creating an ecosystem, uh, that helps you push a lot. So, so you don't have to all the time have the motivation to put, but just create that environment that helps you push a lot. Wow. And, and do you, do you have any thoughts on work-life balance? How's that? How does that apply in your life? And do you, do you think that, you know, you got to push very hard right now, or do you think that taking breaks is, is a necessary part to be efficient? So I, so, so I don't know if I think of work life as work and life as two separate things, because everything gets defined by those priority things for me. So everything in the priority thing is something I need to achieve. Um, now they can be personal, professional work, not work. They can be anything like, let's say becoming lean. Um, I have a target body weight that I need to reach and it doesn't matter whether that's Josh related or work related or not. It's just something that has to get achieved. Mm. Um, and the time gets divided accordingly. Now, if I'm sitting and working for eight hours and I'm unproductive, that's ridiculous. Uh, so I will do whatever I need to do to achieve that. Well, I just think that, you know, I think everybody needs to get to a point where they spend a lot of time calculating how will they reach from here to their objective and then just do what they have to do in a day and forget about the rest. Like no need to overthink this when to take a break, when not just achieve those things, you know, like wake up and you sleep in the middle is all variables. I'll share another thing, you know, like, like when it comes to habits, uh, you have like, you have to religiously follow your priority list or whatever you want to achieve. Like it has to be a very religious attempt. So everything in your life has to revolve around those things completely. It's almost like if somebody lives with you, they should feel an aura from you. You know, it's that you are so like, there is nothing else that you do. So even if you're watching TV or, or you're watching Netflix, it is so that you can be fresh to go and achieve that, that thing. So even if I'm drinking water, it is so that I'm hydrated and I'm there. So nothing that you do is not for them, uh, not to achieve. And if you're doing anything for some other reason, put that in the priority list, then obviously you care about it. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, to, to the point that, for example, I have to become lean and my um, so, so if I just, there are too many notifications right now, but even my phone cover is, <laughs> you know, like, like, it's just, it's just like, there's nothing else in life. Like it's just these six things that I do wow. for this quarter. It's just going to be these six things. That's so powerful. And, and one last question is, are there any books that you feel have influenced your life and which ones are they? So my recommendation again, uh, because I'm very, very influenced by pe people, I recommend firstly that, um, don't read one book about a person, read every book about that person, because if you truly want to be influenced, if you like somebody and you want to be truly influenced by some, somebody, there is actually a way that you get to know that person so, so deeply that you can, a lot of times in life, put yourself in that person's shoes and take decisions, or you can put that person in your own shoes. But for that, you need a very, very like, like uh, extreme level of reading about that. So of course I've done that with Steve Jobs and a bunch of these guys, right? The tra traditional fellows. So I won't name any of those books, but, 
but the few books that i really really liked one is behind you surely a joking mr feinman mm, yeah. uh, i love to read about people people who are not necessarily so famous but little bit oddballs uh, with weird ideas who went and achieved crazy things um another book i recently recently read which which was which will really i think define a lot of the things that i do will be the trillion dollar coach mm. um the one about that's about uh, bill campbell right yes mm bill campbell yeah it's a very very interesting book again it gives you an insight into a guy uh who is in, insane um and uh, then then uh, this michael jordan series on Net- netflix that's amazing uh, that's amazing, that's amazing. Yeah. it's not for basketball fans only but i believe that if you're not a basketball fan you are a much better point a much better place to take in a lot of the things that he's saying uh because you're not distracted with the scores and the things like that you can purely look at you know you can look at it from a slightly disconnected uh place uh so i think like like that is phenomenal um it's just like reading a book extremely extremely valuable valuable but again um i read mostly books that are about people um mm. because that gives you sort of a way to be so yeah awesome. i would say Awesome. Well, Shobhit, dude, I'm so happy that you came on the show. I really appreciate it. I learned so much from it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, it was great to have you. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, man.